The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. This week we're going to be talking about AEW Grand Slam, including both Dynamite and Rampage this week. Their two-hour special airing on Friday night. Mike, what are we starting off with? Stock up, stock down. Well, Joel, I think there's only one place we can start with, and that's Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson that ended in a 30-minute draw. And I have a little story time. Joel, you've been to events with me before. I kind of get anxious when I'm going to shows because I don't want to miss anything. I want to get to my seats. I want to chill. It's why when we were in college, we sat for two hours before every App State football game to make sure that we had good seats. All day Wednesday, because I was down in New York for Grand Slam. I was with my my old roommate and I was like, we got to get to the arena on time. We got to get to the arena on time. She's like, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll go get dinner in Manhattan and then get to Queens. That's not a short trek. <laughs> like, like that's that's like an hour commute in rush hour. So bless what. Thank God we got there with 20 minutes to spare before the, the, the start of the show. And I would have been so pissed if I missed any of Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega. They're like going on first. I don't know if there was announcement on social media beforehand, but everyone in the arena was pretty shocked that this was on first. So luckily my anxiety proved right because we made it in time. And Joel from start to finish, this was, this might be the best match I've ever seen in person. Like it was so good. And I don't know if it came over. I watched it dynamite again, but it was loud in yeah. there. I don't know if the acoustics of this stadium are just I mean, different. But... Arthur Ashe is a really rad venue. And I was excited to see what it looked like. I was excited to hear how the acoustics were, what the crowd would sound like. And I was not disappointed. I've never seen a anything but tennis from mm. Arthur Ashe Stadium. And it was really, really cool that AEW was able to do this. I thought it sounded great, looked great. Uh, and I love the things that they did to make this show feel special. Yeah. Like the LED ramp. Yep. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time we've seen I an LED so, yeah. ramp at an AEW event. I hope that this is not like used Every all the week. time. Yeah. Like pull this out for your TNT Dynamite specials. Yep. Pull this Paper out views. for your named episodes. And uh, for the rest of the time, give us normal looking dynamite. Signify that something special is happening by the material that you use. And I think that's something that that the other wrestling company used to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't see that as much anymore. Everything is very uniform. So I love that this felt different. This match was special. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I... I my my love of Brian Danielson came from his comeback. Uh, one of the first matches that I saw when I started watching wrestling again was the Intercontinental Championship ladder match that yep. uh, he won and then immediately got hurt and had to relinquish the belt after, you know, months of, you know, questions around his health and well-being and 
it was so disappointing because I was really excited to see him after that match. And then, you know, there was this whole long period where everybody thought his career was over uh, mm-hmm. and then his comeback and becoming the planet's champion and everything like that is my era uh, with him. And it was great to see him in a different context and working a different style. And uh, he seemed different to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just marking out over it, but this did not <laughs> seem like the same intensity. Like there was another level here of viciousness and yeah. of violence that was not a part of his character in the other wrestling company. I don't know if you've seen a lot of Brian Danielson from Ring of Honor, but this there's a lot that um, that I've been told from friends who who were watching back then. Some clips that I've seen, like. Early on the match when he had the submission hold on Kenny and he says, I have till five. Apparently that's a, a huge thing he used to do back in the day. That was part of his character. Um, kind of just the striking strikes in this match too. Like both of them were just taking stiff shot after stiff shot. Danielson's chest looked like it was going to explode throughout the night. Yeah, like five <laughs> minutes into a 30-minute time limit draw, both Kenny and, and Brian Danielson looked like every blood vessel in their chest was ready to come seeping out. And like the the level of violence and brutality for a non-hardcore match was Mm -hmm. like at a 10 here. Yeah. And you know, we haven't seen a a lot of draws in AEW so far. I think we've maybe seen one or two. There was like the Cody and Darby Darby. 20 minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there was the... the 10 minute survival by jungle boy against Jericho. Yep. Yep. So we don't see these often. And I, I was worried that we would see a lot of blowback from a draw ending, but uh, it seems most everyone ex- got the result. You know, the crowd was pretty hot. Um, they, they boot a little bit, but I think the overall story of uh, it, like landed here that mm-hmm. these guys are so good that they went 30 minutes and still couldn't figure out who's the best. And I like that neither of them locked in or hit their finishers. We didn't yeah. see a little bell blocked fully locked in until maybe not even fully locked in in the post-match. And we didn't see the, the one winged angel hit. So uh, they can easily build back to this, you know, if they want to do it again at full gear, God, it would be so Brian Danielson for him to switch companies and then give us a 60 minute, NJPW style match at a pay-per-view. Like it'd be so Danielson to pull that off. (laughs) So, I mean, that's actually one of my takeaways from this match is that this is the kind of setup that you have to a big stipulation match because they went 30 minutes, they went the distance and it's undecided. So what do you do? Do you go to a, a 60 minute Iron Man, a 90 minute Iron Man? Do you, you know, find some kind of a a step that ensures that there will be a decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I think it's, it's really cool. The other takeaway that I had is that the rematch doesn't have to happen right away. No, you know, this was Brian Danielson's first match in the company and he went up against the best. He had his medal tested and the result is still in question. So what I would really, really love to see is for him to come out on Wednesday and say, hey, I know wins and losses matter in this company. So I'm going to stand here in the middle of this ring and 
anyone who wants to come out and contribute to my win total in this company is welcome <laughs> to step up and challenge the American dragon. Like I would love to see that kind of a thing. And then we essentially get an open challenge where mm-hmm. you, you're going out there against the reputation of a legend in this business. And he's just trying to rack up wins so that he can yeah. get back <laughs> to Kenny Omega. That's a story I want to see. And I think there's a lot of potential here for doing interesting things like that and to have an ongoing story that doesn't involve the title that makes sense and elevates the entire roster because anyone Mm -hmm. who goes out there and has a three and a half to four and a half star match with Brian Danielson is going to benefit from it. Yeah. This is how you use these new guys. This is how you, you know, you help continue to build what you've, you've started here um, by putting them in situations like this. And, and Joel, some of the spots in this match were just insane. Kenny running down the entire ramp to hit what looked like the most devastating V trigger I've ever seen in my life. The, the dragon suplex off the top rope. Um, th- this was, this was just great. It's one of the best TV matches I think I've ever seen too. The V trigger down the ramp. I rewound and watched like three <laughs> times because I wanted to pay really close attention to where Kenny left the ground it looked like he went about eight feet through the air mm-hmm. and granted he got a foot down before he contacted Danielson, which is what you should do just yeah. for health and safety purposes. Uh-huh. But seriously, he leapt about eight feet in the air and uh, I-, I loved so many of the spots, the poison Rana that oh, Danielson yeah. hit that of course, oh. Kenny goes directly down on his head because he, he wrestles that Japanese style. Yep. And it just looked absolutely devastating. Uh, this is a great match. They told a great story and it sets us up for a lot of different potential pathways. Like, I don't know where we're going from here, but I can imagine about a half dozen different things that I am interested in seeing. That to me is good booking. I'm satisfied with the result and I'm looking forward to what's next without knowing precisely what that's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and go back to what we touched on at, at the very start of the episode about it kind of like the atmosphere, the vibe, like, man, Arthur Ashe has what a fifth of what MetLife stadium has. And it was louder than when Kofi won the belt, Joel, like you were there with me. It, I mean, it, yeah, it but I, I don't loud, think that's a man. fair comparison, right? I, I'm just talking about like in terms of my in like in arena experiences, in stadium experiences, like I've never been a, and not only was it loud, like that that crowd was hot most of the night. Like I didn't feel like there was really a time where I'm like the exhaustion of the evening set in. Like it, it was an incredible crowd. It felt like a big deal. Um I hope they do shows here every year because the venue is awesome. It's in a cool part of New York. Um, And also there's not a bad seat. Like I was in the middle section of the stadium. My original seats were up high, but they released more. So I kind of like sold my old ones and got better ones. But even if you were up high, like you could see the ring clearly. They had the big screen set up. Um, It's a perfect wrestling It's designed for tennis, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you need sp- very specific sight lines for tennis mm-hmm. if the cheap seats are going to have any kind of a positive experience. And it's renowned, right? Yeah. Like, this is a historic venue. It's not MSG, but it's similar. And it has, like, the 
historic connection to like what Arthur Ashe represented in the American civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And like, it's a cool place. It has a sense of place about it. And I was really excited when I found out they were going to be running it. Uh, And uh, I, I loved what I saw uh, from, from the show. Yeah, same. It's, and like, you know, they, they, I've heard rumors that they, they they potentially want to do MSG at some point. If they do, that'd be sweet. You know, it's MSG, but man. Well, if MSG is another venue where there's not a bad seat in the house. When we saw the Ring of Honor New Japan yep. Super oh, Show, show. <laughs> we were literally in the back row. Like our backs were up against the barrier at the very top. And it was amazing. Like, yeah. and the acoustics in that building are incredible. You know, you could hear the snap of a uh, finger breaking spot yeah. in in the ring. And like, that's a cool thing. Yeah. And we were literally as far away from the ring as you could be and have seats. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it, if Arthur Ashe is there is AW's home in New York, I'm cool with it. Like, yeah, it was. It venues was a venue. matter, though. Like it it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, one well, of the like reasons you... why I have no interest in going to another WrestleMania is that I don't see them ever putting it anywhere but a football stadium. And I yeah. have no interest in going to see a wrestling show at a football stadium. It's I've also been the best experience. I've been to three AW events now. And guess what, Joel? No fucking beams. I haven't had a beam in my way. <laughs> two of my two of my five WrestleMania experiences. I've had beams in the fucking way. So. Yeah. All right. I think I think we got a little off topic. Why don't we move on here, Joel, to what was surprisingly and I think deservedly the main event of Dynamite Grand Slam. And that was Britt Baker retaining her women's world championship over Ruby Soho. And what was a really fun and I thought one of the God, every Britt Baker championship match. We keep saying, man, this is one of the best matches in women's AEW history. Like, again, good. She's this match really was great. Good. <laughs> like, it, 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 I, I can't, I don't want to undersell it, but this was another like elite level women's championship match from Britt Baker and Ruby Soho. I think it was important for her to prove that she could like handle this moment. We both love Ruby Soho. We both thought she was underutilized in the other wrestling company, but she never got to do what she did tonight. She was never in a main event like this. Um, that's a lot of pressure and I thought she exceeded all expectations and I really, I want to see these two wrestle again. Um, cause I think they could put on so many different styles of matches that would be incredibly compelling. Well, and I think we saw an example of the experience that she brings to the company and like her ability to sell mm-hmm. is peerless in this women's division. She is excellent. And I was really, really impressed by the variety of ways that she registered and showed the damage that she had received. You know, we're so accustomed to seeing the same things over and over again, right? Like the hand on the back. And I'm always impressed by people who can stagger in creative ways. Like I think Randy Orton is really, really good at staggering um flair is another one who is really really good at staggering uh, of course he would always ruin it by flopping um, <laughs> flair flops for the win man <laughs> but um you know it, it, that kind of 
creativity, like a lot of attention gets put on like, oh, wrestlers need to make moves their own, like figure out a creative and interesting way to hit a certain move. Yes, do that. But also figure out an interesting and unique way to sell a move. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that Ruby Soho is really good at. And I think that's a benefit to the whole division. Uh, yeah, Sami Zayn needs lessons from Ruby Soho on how to sell. Am I doing this right? <laughs> I mean, Sami Zayn is, is like, <laughs> he's just a gem. Like, we do not deserve Sami Zayn. We do not deserve Sami Zayn. Uh, that was that was a callback to an old joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, I, I think what we've seen from Britt Baker so far is I think she has the ability to raise lesser talents up. I think we've been, we've been able to see that in some matches. I think you get gold here when you have someone who can do exactly what you're saying. You can like kind of raise Brit up by how they sell. Like, I don't know this. This is my favorite Britt Baker championship match. Um, it's one of my favorite women's AEW matches so far. Um, yeah. And I think the result here with the kind of being some interference near the end, a little chicanery, just like the Brian Danielson story, you can either come back to this right away. Like, Hey, this wasn't, clean we're giving you a rematch or you could say okay now you need to go to the back of the line for a little bit pick up those wins because she was on a more contender she didn't have the record win loss wise either to have this match so you could easily say okay back to the line have soho start doing some mid-card feuds and be right back here at revolution where maybe she actually takes the title off of Britt baker so i think it's more likely that we see this feud continue uh because looking around at the division, the rest of the talent is kind of tied up. You know, we've got Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, a lot of stories. Jade Cargill doing their thing. We've got Anna Jay, Ty Conti, Penelope Ford, and the bunny doing their thing. Mm-hmm. So that's seven of your top women in the company yeah. already engaged in storylines. Uh, and I'm not sure who steps in I mean, I guess Chris Statlander, but we just saw that match and it was really good. I think you good. could see like maybe if you if you wanted to go with someone not Ruby Soho or Chris Statlander, I think you could very easily make a story work where I say, hey, Rio, Rio's now yep. going to mm-hmm. go after this because she has the championship, you know, clout being the first champion. She's amazing in the ring. We haven't really seen Britt Baker and Rio. Um, so you could easily do that. You could always bring go back to Sheeta too. Um, you know, Sheeta's coming back for a title. We haven't really seen on TV. You could do a bunch of little short ones too. I know you, Big Swole, you would love to see Big Swole, Britt Baker part two. Um, And that storyline doesn't really need us. Like you could just say, hey, this match is going to happen in a month and build it from there because they have the history. So um, that just still feels unfinished from before. Yeah. So I'd be happy to see those two run it back. They have amazing chemistry between their characters and everything that we saw during the early months of the pandemic between Britt Baker, when she was injured and big yeah. swole, just terrorizing her. And like, <laughs> it was amazing putting her in a dumpster and yeah. uh, dumping garbage inside of her little plexiglass cage. Do you remember that? Yeah. I mean, you also could bring, you could keep Ruby. So in it and bring in those, those two women too. You know, we have a women's heel, uh, faction at the top of the division. You could very easily, bring in some other women to kind of be Ruby Soho's backup and continuing this feud. I think the nice thing, Joel, too, is that we've seen over the last few weeks this they're doing other stuff in the women's division. We have other feuds right now, like, and they're all using like different, like, I love that Jade Cargill's issue with Nyla Rose is that Nyla Rose eliminated her. 
uh, from behind and Thunder Rosa is still pissed from the blinds, like the blindside attack. Like they, they have these stories building and there's rumors that a, the TBS championship is going to be the women's secondary title. I don't know if you've seen that Joel. So there's a lot of rumors that that could be happening here soon. And it makes sense because you're seeing all these secondary stories happening in addition to the main women's championship story. So I think if you get a second title in there, uh, you have all these other things going on, give us a tournament or something like that. Like it'd be a great way to continue what I think is maybe some of the most positive developments in the women's division since the start, like the last five, six weeks has been just really great. Cause we've had like, like we talked about multiple stuff going on and good stuff too. Like yeah, probably forward is awesome right now. We'll talk about her definitely trending rounds. in the right direction. I am loving everything that you're doing with Ty Conti <laughs> and Anna J Penelope Ford yeah. and the bunny like that. I mean, it, I, I don't want to get like hyperbolic here, but I don't see myself getting tired of the various matchups that you can make between those four women. No, they seem to have really, really good chemistry. Uh, Ty Conti is getting so freaking she's getting good good. (laughs) i i just i'm so thrilled because i i loved her in nxt back when she debuted i thought she had a great look and a great uh intensity in the ring Uh, i love her facial expressions i think she does a really good job of uh conveying to the audience uh like her character just through that action and I think the connection with Anna Jay has been a really cool way to bring her into bigger storylines and mm-hmm. the broader feud between the Hardy family office and the Dark Order that, you know, has gotten bigger and bigger. And I, I just I'm really, really digging this storyline. Yeah. Yeah, it's really working. All right, Joel, why don't we move on to our next Stock Up, Suck Down segment? And I had to leave a little early uh, from Arthur Ashe. Because uh, our hotel was disgusting, absolutely disgusting. And there was no way in hell I was spending a night in that hotel. So we ended up driving back to Boston. But I made sure that we didn't leave until after we saw CM Punk and Powerhouse Hobbs. And thank God that this match kicked off Rampage because I don't know if I would have been able to get home in time and safely if we waited to the end of the show. So, um, Joel, this was just another really fun match. But I have a stock down because CM Punk went back to CM Trunks. I'm not a fan <laughs> of CM Chunks. I was a big, big mark for CM Pants, and I am very disappointed in him. Uh, I did not even notice. That is how locked in I was to this match. <laughs> uh, longtime listeners of the podcast will remember that I have been all in on Will Hobbs since he debuted on AEW Dark, and I was like, holy shit, who is this guy? Like, he is incredible and he's going to be great. And I, I loved this match. I thought they had really, really good um, spots and it was a really nice. Uh, this, felt, this felt like the biggest match that Will Hobbs has had to this point. Oh, 100%. And I think he might have faced Moxley when he initially turned on them last year. He might have had a match with Moxley. But yeah, this was just him. Like Hook was there, but it didn't feel like a Team Taz storyline, Team Taz type of match. It felt like this was a a powerhouse Hobbs match. Like this was his uh, moment, and he he's he delivered, man. He was great. 
when he hit that spine buster on punk like every time he hits that spine buster i'm just reminded that he is the best in the business with that specific move right now nobody does it better and he's just a a physical freak like the way that he moves with his size and stature is really really impressive we did have one like really scary spot in this match where uh punk hit a uh frankensteiner off the top rope and hobbs came down like straight on his fucking head yeah uh and seemed a little bit dazed and then he finished the match and then there was a long stretch of aubrey like checking in with him <laughs> yeah dude, after the match was over can't. i was like <laughs> dude are you good like yeah that that looked terrible and then you know punk got his nose or his mouth busted open yeah he was he was bleeding pretty heavily there um yeah that that frankenstein spot was hard to see from where i was sitting just with like the way that everything was positioned. So I didn't see him land directly on his head until I rewatched it. Um, but yeah, it was pretty gnarly. And uh, my biggest takeaway from Hobbs here, Joel is every time he hit a move and they put the camera like super close and he just had that the sneer, the sneer and the facial expressions. Like it was some good stuff. Like it literally yeah. was like, I hate this guy. Like I'm He's I, so good. Like He's he was so, so good. good at it. And uh just like there's another great use here of CM Punk. I thought he thought he he still looks great. I think this was a a good combination. It was nice seeing him working from below, you yeah. know, working with a bigger, stronger opponent because he he was way bigger than Darby Allen, <laughs> like way bigger. It, it's also really reassuring to see him just casual as you please pick up someone the size of Will Hobbs for the GTS, yeah. like. Yeah it looked like it was zero effort at all. So either Will Hobbs goes up light as a feather or, you know, CM Punk is crazy strong. Yeah. Well, CM Punk, he does look like he's in really good shape. All things considered. I Um, actually commented on that while I was watching the episode. Um, I was watching with my wife and I was like, yeah, he, I don't remember him looking this good in the other wrestling company. And he, he, he looks, he, it's like when, when we talk about like how jungle boy, like from his first year, first match in AW to like two years later, like he just looks physically more like toned punk looks more toned than I think he ever did in his WWE career. Like you look at his back and stuff, you can just see like every muscle there when he like does stuff. So, um, he's definitely, he definitely came back ready. Like he didn't come back slacking. He came back with, uh, I'm doing this, I'm doing it right. So, um, and I like that they're kind of bringing him along a little slowly. Like, he didn't both of his matches so far have been really good, but he's not going out and doing what Danielson and Omega did, you know, like he's not putting on a 30 minute match. Like they're building it up. He probably has to get his, you know, his sea legs back and get his endurance up. Um, so I kind of like that they're, they're bringing him along, but, but honestly, he's probably close to the point where you could have him work every week if you wanted to, not that you need to, cause this is AEW. Yeah. I mean, the thing that just impresses me is it's all the small stuff like all of the details there was a uh a kick out from punk in this match i think it might have been after the spine buster mm-hmm. that was just perfectly timed and and that is truly an art form right because you want to kick out at the last possible moment but you also want to kick out at the last possible moment without making the referee slow down because that is visually obvious on TV. It's not as obvious in person, but on TV, you can tell 
if Aubrey or Bryce or whomever pulling like, it at the last second, pulls yeah. that hand at the last second and it kind of kills it for you. It takes you out of the moment. And there are a handful of wrestlers who always in that spot, that near fall really get you because it's the last possible moment before that official would have to pull their count. And uh, he's great. He's great. And it's small stuff like that. It's all the little details. They are perfectly executed. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what, you know, earns you a moniker like best in the world. Everything that he does looks good. Yeah. I'm, I know I mentioned that this was like, this was powerhouse Hobbs. And I I do hope that this leads us to a Ricky Stark, Sam Punk match. Um, That would just be so freaking fun. And the promos leading up to it would be great. But if this is it for now for Team Taz, like you can very easily transition CM Punk into another story. These little these little mini feuds. He's only been in the company six weeks. He's had these two really kind of fleshed out stories that made you feel satisfied at at the end of the match. So, um, Joel, anything else before we move on to lightning round? We got to cover a lot of stuff. So I'm going to try my yeah, we best. Got two to shows be... worth of material. Let's uh, yeah. let's get into it. Lightning round. Uh, I'll, I'll start here. Um, my favorite match from Rampage uh, was actually the the six man tag between the Super Click and the Jurassic Express and Christian Cage. This was just really fun. Everything was timed here, and you mentioned it pre show. It really did a good job of setting up the Jungle Boy Adam Cole matchup that we're getting next week on Dynamite and Joel fucking dream match (laughs) for real (laughs) i I cannot wait for this match it's going to be so freaking good and i i know we always talk about like how you have to use your older guys christian coming in here and kind of being like the mentor to jurassic express of like what six weeks ago has been Mm -hmm. awesome i love everything they've done together uh you can just tell like the influence he's having on these guys and Jungle Boy, we've talked about him endlessly about how big of a star he is. He just he keeps busting through the ceiling, man. Every time, it's like, what can he else can he do? Well, this one is really intriguing to me because I feel like Adam Cole and Jungle Boy are kind of polar opposites in a sense. Where I feel like Adam Cole needs to be in singles matches. He kind of blends in in a tag team scenario, and I don't think his style lends itself very well to tag team or multi-man matches. Whereas Jungle Boy is the star of every fucking <laughs> match that he's in. He can't help but shine and take the spotlight. He's that mm-hmm. freaking good. And I think that putting Jungle Boy and Adam Cole in a singles match where both of them can really, really excel is just going to be magic. I- I'm really looking forward to this. I love Adam Cole. I think he's fantastic. And I, uh, I always am gushing about Jungle Boy. I think their styles work really well. Uh, and they're very comparable in size because Adam Cole is, is kind of a smaller uh, individual and uh, Jungle Boy, of course, is is smaller as well. So mm-hmm. this should be a really fun match. I expect to see some cool and interesting spots. And uh, man, from this six-man match, Jungle Boy, like <laughs> every now and then, I think that he's screwed up. And then it's like, oh no, that was intentional. Like he intentionally jumped off the ropes that direction and he's fully in control and is going to bounce back and do this amazing move that I didn't see coming. 
And uh, the fact that that's still happening after watching him consistently week after week after week for years, like he's so freaking good. I I am just so excited (laughs) to watch the rest of his career. Mm -hmm. All right, Joel, what you got for me? Uh, So I'm going to go to another multi-man match that was my favorite match from Rampage. It was short but sweet. The eight-man tag team match between the Lucha Bros, Santana and Ortiz, and HFO. Uh, This match was pure chaos. And (laughs) it was the kind of like indie-rific eight-man match that AEW does so well. Yeah. Where, you know, the, the match is characterized by the referee running around throwing their hands in the air. Being like, I don't even know who the legal man is at this point because everybody has been in and out of the match so many times. There was this insane spot where we saw a simultaneous double moonsault and double flipping tope to the outside. (laughs) Eight people colliding in the space of like half a second. And it was flawless. Um Really thought uh, the butcher looked really great in this match. Uh, the, bu- the butcher always looks great. I love the fucking butcher. Keep going. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just so freaking good. Uh, the street sweeper continues to be a move that nobody fucking kicks out of. And that needs to stay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just great seeing Santana Ortiz kind of away from the inner circle. Like, I'm kind of glad that no one came out to save Jericho and Hager with, after their match with uh, the top men in America top team. Um, Cause like I want Santana Ortiz to do this type of stuff. Like this was a super fun match. Uh, I really hope this leads to a Lucha bros Santana Ortiz match here in the next few weeks. Cause Joel, that's a combination. I don't think we've seen in AW so far. Not I can't to my recall um, at least not on dynamite. So um that's a match that would just tear down the house and, and put it in the main event. Give us one of those dynamites where they're in the main event. Cause it's going to be awesome. Um, and yeah, I don't, that's, that's about it for me. I, I love, I want to see Santana Ortiz do more stuff and this is a good, good start. Um, Joel, I'm going to go back to uh, dynamite here. Well, the Malachi black Cody's roads match, it, the match was fine. I think it was more of the stuff between Cody and Arn here. That really interests me. And also Brandy just coming back. <laughs> that was that was random, but it was nice to see her. Uh kind of just Cody just kind of shoving him. And we've seen some tension between them before throughout their partnership. Um and I I he's I know Cody has said he's never never wants to turn heel. Uh and he's a wrestler, so we don't believe anything he says. But man, AW needs heel Cody. Heel Cody so. is so good. He's so, Joel. Those like my kind of push towards AEW happened way before AEW was created, and that's when you got me into Ring of Honor. And like watching some of Cody's work there when he first left the other wrestling company, so fucking good. Well, like, it's a classic <laughs> example of someone who was such an incredible heel that the crowd turned him face. Because they loved what he was doing so much. You know, we were at the show where he oh, faced so off with Christopher Daniels. And Christopher Daniels was supposed to be the baby face. And the crowd was so excited to see Cody that they cheered for Cody incredibly hard. I had been watching Ring of Honor 
leading up to that. Like I was caught up on the storylines and Cody had not been positioned as a face. And then after we saw that show, Kazarian and Daniels came out and like, <laughs> like verbally assaulted the crowd. Yeah. It was amazing. Turned heel in the moment. And the very next day that when we went to the TV taping, Cody was a face and Daniels yep. and Kazarian were heels. And it was like, boom, like yeah. that. And you gotta just, re- you know, you gotta, you gotta so yeah. freaking good as a heel and like make it happen. And, and Joel, I don't know if it, if it came across on TV, Cody was getting booed. Oh yeah. So freaking mm-hmm. much. Like it, it was deafening some of the boos for Cody throughout this match and his, and, stuff like and if if you want to make Cody heel you have him like you could have him succumb to the dark side here with uh, Malachi Black you could just have him punch Arn again <laughs> like it would people would get pissed it's Arn Anderson for God's sake so um yeah that's that's my thing heel Cody yep. needs to be a thing I know we have a lot of heels right now but it could still work it can work well there's plenty of work. faces right now too it's not like we have a dearth of people to cheer for and like, Malachi Black is a Cody. dark and evil character, but he doesn't really feel like a heel. <laughs> no. like, well, because you, you went after someone that the fans want to boo. Like, fans want to boo Cody right now. I, I, I love Cody, but, like, when his his stuff with, um, uh, what's fuck, uh, Agogo earlier this year, we were both kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of done with, like, this needs, something mm-hmm. needs to change. So yeah. I get it. I get it. And, and heel Cody would be such a breath of fresh air. Um, sorry, that was a little more than one, one going back and forth here on that lightning round item. So Joel, (laughs) have at it. Uh, I am really digging the Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, Thunder Rosa stuff. We had a really nice video package on Rampage coming right off the heels of the Mm -hmm. Hobbs punk match. So really prime positioning to promote this feud. And these are three big names within the division probably the best in-ring worker in Thunder Rosa, Mm -hmm. the biggest, like toughest member of the division in Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill, who is just like an attraction in the same way that like Andre or like, obviously not to that level, but like that style of thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's a big deal to see her compete because she's unlike anyone else in the division. And uh, I'm excited to see what they do. If we end up getting a triple threat match here, if we get like matches between the different combinations of these three women for a few weeks, like Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what they do with this. And uh, I love the uneasy triple threat where it's like two people are kind of connected, but they kind of dislike each other at the same time. And the dynamics and psychology of a match like that can be really interesting. And I feel like we don't, get that in women's wrestling in no. major promotions very often. So I'm excited about this. It also would be cool to see that a triple threat match used without a title at stake. Yes. It seems like you don't see that match unless there's, you know, that big prize. And there's, there's been some reports that they want to do. They want to go back to Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa at some point. So well, why would there's you? no, yeah, exactly. But there's no better way to like to reposition Thunder Rosa as the alpha challenger by having her win a triple threat match at say full gear against Jay Cargill and Nyla Rose. Like 
what better claim do you need to be on the number one contender than beating those two? So I think they could do this. Like you said, they could kind of bounce around these matchups here or they just keep interfering in each other's matches. Like they don't even have to wrestle each other. Thunder Rosa could just be facing anyone. And then you just have Nyla Rose and Jade Cargo come out and all hell breaks loose. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that. And God, it's nice having other stories in the women's division. It's nice. It's really nice. It just raises the floor of the show. You know, the show's just going to be a little better because we have multiple things going on. So, um, Joel, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to dynamite. I think being at dynamite is why I want to talk about so much. Um, did you see MJF's uh, parents sign? I don't know if it yes. actually was. Yes. <laughs> Were MJF's parents and even we hate him? <laughs> yeah. Well, and his his dad was tweeting stuff like, please, somebody stop MJF. And then and then MJF on Twitter <laughs> tweeted at the post, fuck you, mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> just just really, really funny stuff that didn't even involve the match. And this, I thought this match was good. It, it was, it, it had to be short based off of everything that was on this card. I thought uh, Pillman got enough offense that, you know, he, he looked good. Um, and yeah, the right person won. MJF needed to win this match. And uh, MJF passes roommate approval. My old roommate was like, wow, MJF is caliente. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. So, um, she was into the MJF, but. Joel, what do you think? That about does this? not surprise me at all. Not at all. <laughs> um, you got got some, got anything about this? Or you want to move on to a next another one? I just have to talk I, about I the thoroughly the enjoyed stuff. the match. Uh, I thought it was a good spot <laughs> for for Pillman, uh, and I agree. The right person won. MJF should not be losing many matches. Period. Um, and uh, yeah, that that was uh, what I wanted to see. Uh, I got to talk about. Anna Jay and Penelope Ford and the broader storyline between uh, Anna Jay, Ty Conti, Penelope Ford and the bunny uh, really, really fantastic stuff on an ongoing mm-hmm. basis. And I really don't see myself getting tired of this feud and any combination of these four women in wrestling matches, because so far everything has been gold. Penelope Ford is on a tear right now just having great matches uh i I am so thoroughly impressed with ty conti and her development uh she just continues to get better and better and uh i i really really dug this match and i really like the post-match stuff i liked the heels Mm -hmm. were standing tall at the end and then we got the kind of standoff between the hardy family office and the dark order so um and that kind of led into the uh setup of uh jack evans uh being pushed into facing orange (laughs) cassidy in a hair versus hair match like there's so much going on but it all makes sense and yeah serving these storylines that have been going on for a while something i remember us referencing a lot when we first started this podcast was man they kind of overbooked that segment there was just a lot of people but now and probably for the last six to eight months when they do those things that we would normally call overbooking, it all connects to something like, yeah, you had the heels come out, the faces come out to make the save, but that led to, Oh, look, reminder, dark order is not okay with uh, evil Uno and Stu Grayson walking out on the rest of the dark order. Like you said, that bled into Matt Hardy volunteering Jack Evans for a hair versus hair match. 
there's no wasted. I don't think there's any wasted segments or time on AW. If it's going to make the show, it's going to be connected to something, something of significance. Well, and what I think was kind of cool here is that it felt like the women were the focal point of a storyline involving both men and women. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the reverse of what we typically see, right? Usually women are in the secondary role in pro wrestling if there's a feud that involves both men and women. So it was nice to see that like the Dark Order is appears to be coming back together. And the reason that that group is being pulled back together is Anna Jay and Ty Conti. And the way that's been presented in the storyline, like they are front and center. They mm-hmm. are the linchpins of this storyline. That's cool. And that feels different. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Joel, uh, I'm going back to dynamite. Uh, I really thought FTR should have won this tag match with Sting and Darby Agreed. Allen. Uh, I think it would have done a lot for them. I don't think Sting or Darby Allen take a hit at all if they lose this. Um, but this was fun. This was a really fun match. Uh, I think they're using Sting perfectly. We see him wrestle a few times a year. He still looks good when he needs to do stuff. Like his strikes were looking great. He's still a presence. Like the fans went wild for Sting. I God, I've never seen Sting in person before. Like I've never seen him at a show. Wow. So like it kind of dawned on me when his entrance, I was like, holy shit, I'm seeing Sting tonight. Like, you know, so it was a good it was it was fun. I I do think, yeah, FTR would have really benefited from this, but I don't feel like the story's over. I feel like there's a much more they can do here. Um, I don't know if the rest of the Pinnacle gets involved, but you could definitely do something with Tully, FTR, and and Sean Spears if you want, um, because I, I think it can just, it, I didn't, it doesn't feel complete, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I, I I love the different things that members of the Pinnacle are doing. Um, and I like that they have some level of independence from one another. I, I feel mm-hmm. like since the inner circle pinnacle feud ended that we're in a much better place with both of those groups. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the last thing that I want to talk about is my dudes, Scorpio sky and uh, Ethan page getting their first big win since uh, pairing up with Dan Lambert and American top team. I thought this was a really fun match. And uh, I was really impressed with Ethan page. I think this is the best match that he's had so far in AEW. And Mm -hmm. I think we finally got to see what he's capable of in the ring. And uh, I really, really dug it. And I liked the post-match stuff too. Uh, I thought it was really, really cool how the different members of American Top Team all came from different parts of the arena. Mm -hmm. That was fucking gnarly. Because it went from like, there's nobody at ringside to all of a sudden, they're (laughs) surrounded and they are fucked. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and, and props to Ethan Page's Twitter, man. He like just posts stuff about like with clips from his his matches. So there's like him hitting that like spinning kick on Jericho is like, I'm a double black belt bitch. And then there's <laughs> a diving shoulder tackle from the apron. He's like best shoulder tackle in pro wrestling. <laughs> like, they're, they're just great. And they just naturally seem like a team that you can position to face the Lucha bros at some point for the belts. Having a baby face champions is a breath of fresh air. Cause you have all these new matchups like that you can do. And I do think, the end game is Ethan page 
and Scorpio Sky facing the Lucha Bros at some point for that belt. I think that would be incredible and would be a great, honestly, just great to see those two walk away with it at some point too. Yeah, I feel like we've only seen like a fraction of it, but Ethan Page is on another level. Um, He is one of the people who has had a match with himself. Uh, So he (laughs) majored in like film production uh, in college and he literally filmed and cut together a match that he had with himself as his alter ego karate man. So I have to go watch that. <laughs> yeah. Like, and if you haven't listened to him on AEW unrestricted, really, really recommend his episode. I thought it was great. Okay. And, uh, I'm just excited to see him like doing more than standing around looking cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Joel, I only have two more things I want to talk about. I don't know how much you have left, so I'm going to make these quick. Um, the bucks new bio. Give us the trios championship. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Joel, I don't think there's anything as long running on this podcast other than us talking about the, a trios championship. I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the very first episode that we ever did. Bring me the trios championship. I want it. I need more of it. And then the last thing and the main event of rampage, the, uh, the lights out match. It's just kind of funny seeing Kingston and Moxley and um, Archer come out with like pants and like rugged gear. And then you just have Minoru Suzuki coming out trunks, no knee pads, no gloves, no elbow pads, and just like him fitting in, in this type of match. And it was weird seeing Suzuki in this type of match. I've never seen him in a hardcore match as you would, you would car this. So like it was, it was different. And it definitely had some pacing issues. Like it slowed down a ton when Moxley was, was taped up and also random appearance by homicide. Didn't expect that. <laughs> well, he and Eddie Kingston go back <laughs> yeah. a long way. Uh, and actually, um, I think I have this right. I may be flipping it, but there was a fantastic storyline and impact that was new LAX versus old LAX because Santana and Ortiz were the second iteration of the Latin American exchange in impact wrestling. And of course, homicide and Hernandez were the originals. Mm -hmm. So there was a storyline where Conan was managing Santana and Ortiz and Eddie Kingston was managing homicide and Hernandez. (laughs) And they had a cinematic street fight, like legitimately in a street that was (laughs) awesome. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So there, there's history there between Kingston and Homicide. And I, I thought that was cool that he showed up. I totally popped for that. So, yeah, he he was in he was an impact like in the, the few years where I watched TNA regularly back in high school. So, like, I definitely have some history there with Homicide. But oh, Joel, yeah, that's I mean, Homicide it. and Hernandez were multi-time yeah. tag team champions in impact. So. So Joel, any, anything else from your end? I think I, I think I, we got everything out of this show that we possibly could. I'm good. I think I've gushed enough for one night. (laughs) All right, guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod. Uh, you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. You can get the podcast on Apple podcast, tune in stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get it. We're there. Give us, give us a follow. Um, Am I missing something? I don't think I'm missing something. Joel, anything else before I I hit the hay? It is once again 
a great time to join the Dark Order. Join Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Oh. <laughs>